Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. My name is Jess. Um, my husband and I have been attending the plant for like as long as we've been married. So yeah, like five, six years. Um, and I am primarily in Mawa, um, but my husband grew up around here. So we love to spend time in West Milford and we're so thankful um, that we get to be partners together. Um, so I am actually a kindergarten teacher. So I'm very used to talking in front of groups of people. They're just normally five. So this is a little bit different, but it's going to be great. Am I doing something wrong? No? Okay. Um, and this summer, we are going through a summer sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. And this is just such a wonderful and sweet time that we can take in the summer. It's a little bit more calm, a little more laid back, but we just get to sit back and enjoy these wonderful gifts that God has given to us. Um, so we're going to open up by rereading that passage from Galatians. This is Paul writing a letter to a church, um, and we're going to look specifically at kindness today. So let's just listen and open our hearts to what God wants to do with us um, through the fruit of the Spirit this morning. Um, so starting in verse 16, I'm going to open it up on here so I can see. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. When you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the, lie, to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. All things that we would love to avoid. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So this morning, we're going to be talking about kindness. And so when I found out that I would be speaking on kindness in this summer sermon series, it was kind of funny because kindness is like one of the lamer fruits of the Spirit, so we know that we want all of these good things, but our culture spends so much time seeking out things like love, right? You know people who spend tons of time wanting to build relationships, wanting to build deep friendships. They seek out new hobbies so they can meet new people, and they go on dating apps so they can find a partner because we want to be loved, and we want love in our lives. Or you think about something like peace. We seek peace all the time. We don't want to be marked by worry and by fear. So you know people who are seeking, they read self-help books from cover to cover, or they spend time in therapy so that they can find the root of their fears and their worries because we want to have a life that's peaceful and calm. But then when you think about kindness, it's like, well, it's good to be nice to people, and we want to treat our children well, and we want to teach them to be good to each other, but 
if you're a little bit rude, you know, sometimes you just have to get things done, and that's okay. And I don't know if you drive in New Jersey, but I do. And it's much easier to speed in front of somebody because they're being really slow or to push out in front of someone because they're taking too long. So when I think about kindness, it's not, it's not just being nice, right? We, we heard earlier this, um, in this series about the difference between happiness and joy and how happiness is circumstantial and it's based on what's happening in your life, but joy is something that's deep and it comes from within you. So as we're talking this morning, I want you to think about the difference between being nice and being kind and how kindness is a gift. It's included in that list in the fruits of the Spirit for a reason because it's important and it's something that God wants to give to us and wants to help us develop. So we're just going to stop before we do anything else and just pray this morning that God will really help us to embrace, embrace that spirit. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you for the people that you have chosen to be here. And God, we thank you so much for your spirit. Thank you for how it's modeled so perfectly in, in the Bible and in the life of Jesus. And thank you that you help us to embody these things that you've given us as gifts so that we can live lives that are full. Father, I ask you to be with me this morning as I speak. Help me to choose words that are true and that are wise and that are for your people this morning. We offer all this up in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, um, kindness actually comes from the Greek word krestotes, I looked up how to pronounce it, Um, and krestotes is grace which pervades the whole nature, mellowing all which would be harsh and austere. So I I read that definition, and it just feels like a breath of fresh air, mellowing and great, and just feeling like, oh, it's going to be okay. There's um, a passage in Matthew where Jesus um, has just been teaching, he's been he's beginning his ministry on earth, and John the Baptist hears about what he's been doing. And John sends his friends to Jesus because he's wondering, is this the person that I've been waiting for? John spent his whole life teaching people that someone was coming that would be greater than him, that would do all of these miracles. So he sends his friends to Jesus to find out if he's the guy, and Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people. And one of the things that he says to them is in Matthew 11, 28, and 30. It says, come to me, All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So we hear that, and those words, those words gentle and easy to bear, those are coming from kindness. They're coming from that grace, that breath of fish air that just says, oh, oh, that's so much better. God models his kindness over and over again in scripture. And it's not passive. It's not meekness. It's not someone you know who just lets everybody run all over them. That's not what kindness is when it's modeled by God. It's something that he offers to us. It's something that we take on, but it's easy and it's gentle and it's really, really good. So we see his kindness modeled again, but one of the most perfect ways to see God's kindness is in the life 
and the ministry and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He was sent to earth by God and he died on a cross to save humanity from its sin because God is so kind. So if you look back at that passage in Galatians, that passage that says we have a choice between our sinful nature and the God spirit that's within us, there's kind of a back and forth. Which way are we going to go? Are we going to embrace that nature that says, well, this is the way that I want to do things? Or are we going to embrace that kind of countercultural nature that says, I want to live the way that God lived? So I'm wondering for you this morning what kind of life you want to lead or what kind of life you want to see for your loved ones. Do you want your life to be marked by a life that is getting things done and checking things off? Do you want that heavy burden because if it doesn't get done, then who's going to do it? Or do you want that breath of fresh air, that grace, that gentleness? So as a teacher of young people, I do spend a lot of time talking about kindness because my children are young and they're learning all about the world. Um, So I actually began my career in a public school. And the school that I was working in at the time had this really big push toward being a good citizen. And everything we did was about being a good citizen and about all the nice things that you can do for your friends. And it's nice to open the door for someone. And it's kind if you smile at someone. And it's encouraging them to do all of these actions that really are great. It is really nice to open a door for someone. It is really good. It makes someone feel good when you smile at them. But really, the root underneath it was that, well, if kids are good, makes life easier for teachers, and they're going to grow up, and they're going to be good people, and we're just going to have a really calm and easy society. But you know children don't always agree with the thoughts of adults. And so you would have a circumstance where one child would push another one out of the way, and you would say, you know, that's really not kind. And a kid's going to say, okay, that's fine. I didn't want that they were in my way. So it really felt like something was missing from that good citizenship, that goodness, just to be kind, just to be nice. Um, So the Lord was really gracious to me, and he knew my heart. I work in a Christian school now, and I love it because I get to be my truest self with my students. But whether, if you're a parent or someone who interacts with kids, whether they're in public school or Christian school or homeschool or whatever, we have this beautiful power and authority to teach our children why these things are important. And so now when I talk to my students, about kindness, I'm able to say to them that it's good to treat each other well because God made you and he loves you. And when you love each other, you are loving God. That's a reflection of his character that's in you. And it's not because you're great. It's because God's great. And that's so good. So when we're kind to each other, we're loving God. So just because I work in a Christian school does not mean that my children are perfectly behaved. They're definitely not. Um, But there's something so pure about kindergarten that I just love because they'll say exactly what they're thinking. I've had students tell me that I am as pretty as a princess, and I've also had students tell me that I look a little crazy and my hair is bad today. So they will say exactly what they want to say. Um, And they don't have that same kind of self-preservation that we have when we're talking about things that are hard. So I have a couple of students I want to share with you. One of them, we're going to call her Frankie. And Frankie had two best friends. 
And so these three little girls did everything together. They played all their games together. They always wanted to sit together. They made up stories. They drew pictures. They were always together. And so anytime you have a group of three, you know there's going to be some conflict, right? There's always going to be two, and then the ones alone. And then... So one day I'm having a conversation with Frankie because this had happened and she was feeling upset. And she told me, well, you know, I really, really like Tara, one of the girls. She's just so nice, and she's so quiet, and she never gets in trouble, and it's just so easy to be good to her. So I think that maybe I'm only going to be friends with Kara, and I'm not going to be friends with Leah anymore. Because Leah's kind of mean, and the other day I looked up, and she was making this mean face at me, and I did not like it. And it's just not easy to be nice to her. So I think I'm going to be friends with Kara and not be friends with Leah anymore. She found that it was easy to be kind to someone that you like, but it's not so easy when someone hurts you. We're going to come back to her. I had another student, we're going to call him Sam. And Sam was very strong-willed. He liked things to be a very certain way. So thinking about coming, everybody's going to sit on the carpet for a story. And he's coming to one spot, and right before he gets there, another child sits in the spot where he was going to sit. And so he just shoves him out of the way, because that was his spot. And he sits right down. Or you think about they're, they're playing a game together, and he's feeling like the game is not going his way, and he's about to lose. And so he just grabs all the game pieces and holds them all in his lap and doesn't let anybody else touch him. And so I was having a conversation with Sam one day when I noticed he was having a really good day. We weren't seeing those conflicts with peers. We weren't seeing him snatching or pushing or being physical. And so I came to him in the middle of the day, and I was like, Sam, you're just having a really good day today. I see you being so kind with your friends. What do you think is different today? And he said, well, everything's just so good today. I got to sit in my spot. I won the game that we were playing. My mom packed me my favorite snack. And this is just like the best day ever because things were going his way. It's really easy to be kind when things are going your way. We're going to come back to Sam, too. Kindness is God's gift to his people. In the Old Testament, kindness is usually a Hebrew word, chesed, and it's often translated as kindness or loving kindness or unconditional love or even mercy. Kindness is really the action of love or the action of grace. It's something that you can see someone do. Um, this... This word is used often in relation to God's relationship with his people. So we know that God chose the Hebrew people, the Israelite people, to be his special chosen holy people. He began a covenant with Abraham that continued through all of the years. And then God's people responded in a way that wasn't always very kind. Um, so we're going to use a passage in Isaiah to illustrate this. Um, Isaiah 43 it says, Dear family of Jacob, you refuse to ask for my help. You've grown tired of me, O Israel. You've not brought me sheep or goats or burnt offerings. You've not honored me with sacrifices, though I've not burdened and wearied you with requests for grain offerings and frankincense. You've not brought me fragrant calamus or pleased me with fat from sacrifices. Instead, you've burdened me with your sins and worried me with your faults. I, yes, I alone, will blot out your sins for my own sake, and I will never think of them again. 
When God called his people, he told them the way in which they were to live that was the best way for them. So because they were living in a time before Jesus' sacrifice, there were all these sacrifices they had to make and all these rules they had to live by and all these things that they had to fulfill in order to be living in right relationship with God. And they did not always do those things or live in that way. When I teach my students about this period of history, sometimes we call it the cycle of judges. And so the, uh, the Hebrew people will start out following God, and things are going really well. They're living in right relationship with him. They're doing the things that he's asked them to do, and they're winning battles, and they're growing their wealth, and everything is great. So they decide, you know what? Let's go ahead over here and do this thing. Or we've been spending so much time and money on all those sacrifices. What if we only do them a couple of times instead of all the time? And when that starts to happen, they start to take back the power and the control for themselves, and things start to go wrong. So they'll fight in battles, and they don't win. Or they'll have relationships that are falling apart. They'll have societies that are broken and hurting. And so eventually, they turn back to God, and they ask for help again. And God takes them back. And this just happens again and again. That The people say that they can do it themselves, and they realize they can't, and they ask God for help. Then they say they can do it themselves, and they realize they can't. They ask God for help over and over and over again. And my students hear this, and they're like, why don't they just get that things are better with God? Why don't they just do what he says? Because every single time, it doesn't work out for them. But the thing that's so amazing that we get to teach ourselves and our children is that God never gets too mad at them. He never decides not to forgive them. He never says, sorry, you've you've done this too many times. I'm over it. God never runs out of kindness for his people. When he lists all those things, you're not doing all those things, and here's the list of all the things that you're not doing, and then rather than concluding it with, so you're out the door, he concludes it with, I will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. That's not passive. That's not weakness. That's a really powerful, powerful gift that God gives us. He's so kind to us. So because God is so kind, that kind of gives us a responsibility. Now that we are living in the new covenant and that Jesus has died and he sent his spirit to live in us, And those gifts of the Spirit, that list that we read at the beginning, are part of our character because it's imparted onto us from God, we have a responsibility. Kindness takes work, but God helps us. It's not an easy thing to do. It seems really natural for God to display kindness because it's part of his character. But for people, often it feels like kindness is used to get something. We'll be kind to a coworker because if we're nice to them, then maybe they'll cover our shift later this month because we really wanted to go to the beach. Or we'll be kind to our spouse because if I made dinner, you do the dishes and it's a nice reciprocal relationship and it all evens out and we're just good to each other. I'm a very nice person, but I'm not very nice to my husband all the time. We think about being kind to a cashier 
in the grocery store. You give them a smile, you ask them how their day is going, because then you have that feeling in your heart that you're like, ooh, I was probably the bright spot in their day, because I was so nice to them as I went through the checkout line. But all of those things are not that deep, deep kindness that God showed. What happens when we are kind in a way that doesn't produce any positive results for us? We're going to go back to that word chesed. So sometimes it's translated as God's loving kindness or God's grace to us, but it can also be defined. Got to go find it. It can also be defined as the genuine desire of a believer to treat others gently, just as the Lord treats him. So it's not coming out of our power. It's not a desire to be nice or to be sweet or to be passive, but it's a strong and powerful gift because it's come to us from God. In Romans chapter 2, people are warned against thinking that they're in charge of deciding who's worthy of kindness. It says, you may think that you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same thing? When we're deciding who's worthy and who's not worthy of our kindness, we're taking that power that God gave us that power that he gave so freely, and we're distorting it for our own purposes. Romans 2 continues. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Kindness is not temporary. It's not dependent on circumstances. Think about the little girl that I told you about, Frankie. It's easy to be kind when someone's kind to you, or it's easy to be kind when you really like that person. Think about that little boy, Sam. It's easy to be kind when things are going your way. If it's a really good day and you're getting what you want, sure, you can be nice to people. But what does it look like when kindness is something that's deeper than that? We can't expect others to earn our kindness because we did nothing to earn God's kindness to us. Because I teach young children, I often read the Bible in a version that's been translated for people who are learning English. Um, and so it's kind of translated big ideas, not so much word by word. Pastor Andrew would not condone it for official Bible study, but I find that when I'm reading passages that I've heard for years and years, things that have become really dull to my ears, when I read them in this very simple language, it feels so fresh and so new. So we're going to read a passage from Ephesians. And it may be one that you've heard before, but it's going to sound a little bit different. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Remember how you lived before. You did wrong things and bad things. As a result, you were dead in your spirits. You lived in a bad way, like the people who belong to this world. 
You are obeying Satan, who rules the powerful spirits in the air. Those spirits are working now in everyone who refuses to obey God. Think about Galatians, that sinful nature that's fighting against God's character. At one time, all of us lived like those people. We did whatever bad things our bodies wanted to do. And if our thoughts made us want to do something, we did it. Because we were like that, God was angry with us. He should have punished us, just like everyone else. But God is very good and kind. He loved us very much. This passage is telling us that all of this that's inside of our spirit is the opposite of what God wants for us. I see it with kids all the time. You think of something and you just do it because that's what you want to do. It takes an intentional coming against our spirit to embrace that kindness that God has. God is very good and kind. He loved us very much. This next passage is the gospel. It's Jesus' life that came to change ours. And I want you to listen and count how many times you hear that word kind or kindness in this section. It says, because of our sins, we were dead in our spirits. But God gave us a new life because we are united with Christ. Yes, God has saved you because he is so kind. Also, God raised us up in Christ so that we now sit with Christ in heaven. God has done this for us because we're united with Christ Jesus. He wanted to show for now and all future time how very kind he is. He's helped us so much because of what Christ has done. When you believed in Jesus, God saved you because he's very kind. Nothing we have done is deserving of God's kindness. All of those words, those kind words, Christotes, remind us that God removed us from our sin. When we didn't deserve it, he was gentle with us. He had mercy on us. He gave us the opposite of what we deserve. We couldn't save ourselves because we had God's gift come to us through Jesus. And nobody has any reason to be proud of their salvation or to be proud of the character of God that's in them. It's not a personality trait to say, oh, that person's so kind. They're just nice to everyone all the time because it's not from you. It's from God's spirit in you. He united you with Jesus so people would know for all time how kind he is. He saved you so that you can do good things and others will look at you and say, wow, God is so good. We didn't earn that kindness. But because we don't deserve it and we accepted it, we're charged with a response. Oh, I'm going to go back. Don't look at that yet. I'm supposed to say something else. So we're charged with a response. So I want you to think about me in my classroom. If I just let my children do whatever they wanted, because I'm a nice teacher, and if you want to go play that game, you can go and play it. And if you are hungry, you can eat all of your dessert first. And if that person is bothering you, you can just push them and let them know that they're bad. If I let my students do whatever they wanted, 
it would be at chaos. Now you can see it. It's not fair, and it's not kind to be permissive. God was kind to us because he was not permissive with us. He didn't let us choose. He gave us a choice between our sinful nature and his character. And he didn't leave us with just our sinful nature. When God gives us that choice, he tells us that we need to respond. And that kindness leads us to repentance. We're going to go back to Romans chapter 2. Verse 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? God came into a world that looked a lot like this, and he could have just said, that was not what I meant to do. But he came in and he brought order, and he brought goodness, and he brought love and peace. He brought his spirit, and he offered us something different. And that leads us to repentance, to do something new. In Ephesians, now this is back to the grown-up version, the end of that verse says, God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so no one can boast about it. For we're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Because God is so good and so kind, our response in the face of that purity has to be to turn from our sin. If we want to embrace that kindness, if we want to be characterized by that kindness that God showed his people when they didn't deserve it, we need to see the places in our life where maybe we're not getting our way. It's not easy. Or maybe there's that person that is just, God, I'll do anybody else but not them. Maybe it's that place where you say, but I'm a really good person, and I deserve this. People should know that I'm nice. We're going to seek something different. We're going to ask God for his kindness, and we're going to let that be our drive to spur us on to good things. So this morning, I want you to just do some reflection. And it can be during our time of worship. It can be during our communion. It can even be later in this week. But I want you to think about God's people and that cycle that they went through. And it's really easy to look at them and say, wow, they're so dumb that they didn't realize what was happening. But I've done the same thing over and over. I've said, I can take care of this, and then I can't. And God never gets too mad at me. And he never says it's been too many times. He's never too mad at you. He's never annoyed. I want you to think about those times in your life where God has shown you his incredible kindness when you didn't deserve it. Think about specific times 
that he's been so good to you. I want you to think about that difference between nice and kind. It's not a personality trait. It's not just something you do so that others will like you. It comes from so deep inside of you because that's God's spirit that he's given to you. That's his powerful gift that he gave to his people, and he wants to help you so that you can do the hard work to show it to others. I ask God's spirit to grow in me. And when I interact with others, I want them to come away from that interaction not thinking, oh, wow, Jess is so nice. That doesn't mean anything. I want them to know, wow, God is so kind. He's been so kind to her. He's been so kind to me. I want to point people back to the goodness and the grace and the incredible kindness of God. I want them to know that no matter how long that list is of the things that you haven't done or the sin that you've decided, that God is very kind and he loves you very much. And so when you're driving this week or when you're eating dinner or when you're shopping, I want you to find those opportunities where normally you would be putting so much effort into just being nice. Think about how you can give that to God. And instead of thinking about, okay, how can I make this person like me? Think about how you can allow God to do that hard work with you so that he can show his spirit and his character through you. How can we stop trying so hard so that God's kindness can be so full in our lives? Let's stop and pray. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.